Ramble. There's a lot of abuse that's just excused in the industry of like, well, you're a PA or like, well, you're an assistant. Too many people are really great at this. It's not even a matter of not working hard enough. It's just like it, literally sometimes things just don't happen. I feel like you kind of do throw a lot of your training out the window in a way because it's like, okay, I'm going to be a mom for 30 minutes and now I'm going to be a 16 year old for 30 minutes. Most of the time, I'm reacting. I'm often doing it to a piece of tape taped to a camera yep. with a 50-year-old sweaty dude right behind it holding the boom mic. <laughs> For those of you just listening, um, I highly encourage watching this, this week's pod because Damien looks like Hozier. <laughs> dude, take me to church. I think they saying that. No, my hair was just getting in my face. I've always wanted to tie my hair back into like a wolf tail thing. And so I made it happen. But it's already like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not skilled at it yet. It's already got the like little wispy hairs in the front. And I'm like, mm. no, I don't like those little those little was wispies. This, was this so inspired by Ghost of Tsushima? No, I mean, I've just always wanted cool tied back hair. And so I guess I at this point have tied back hair. It's not cool yet. But no, I'm not going for a samurai vibe necessarily. I just kind of wanted to pull back my dang hair. It's me like cool. It, it is I like it. it's very cool. I look like a 50s TV show host with this temporary microphone. Yeah. Because microphones are they just hate my apartment. Yeah, it's because she lives she lives near a 5G tower. Courtney, it's because you got so many microwaves that you just race. You're like, who can cook burrito fastest? Guys, I think I could be a sound guy now. Like I know how to do this stuff. That's awesome. When, I used to use those uh for like the job that I had before Smosh. So what did you guys do this week? What what fun what fun things did you get up to uh, without my supervision? I unpacked Working? a lot because I <laughs> since I've been on the pod, you guys haven't or you guys know, but the people out in the world don't know. I moved. Oh, um, I like it a lot. I now have like an office space set up specifically for like streaming and voiceover, which is cool and separate from my room. So now I don't feel like everything I'm doing in quarantine is within like three feet of itself. I'm stoked. I'm a happy and, lad. And in case uh, you listen, you guys listening and can't tell us by our voices. Hello. I mean, he today. I'm joined <laughs> by Courtney Miller. Shane Top and Damien Haas. I'm also Ian Hecox. Oh, Damien Haas. And Damien, Damien, what's your middle Haas. name? Me? Yeah. It's a secret. Are, are Christian. Christian, that's right. Yeah. It's no longer it. a secret. Let's all, let's all, like, what if we only referred to each other by our middle names? Okay, Ruth, Ruth works for your 50s style. You do look like <laughs> Hi, a Ruth I'm right Ruth, now. And welcome mm -hmm. to the dance time jubilee. Welcome and, to the uh, dynamite hop step. You guys will have to refer to me as fuck good a lot. That is not your middle name, Ian. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Like, I wonder it's if, British. You, if you became that way because of your middle name or if they just like knew you would be that way. I mean, it, it's a it, it's a long lineage in my family, if you know what I mean. Does, do your parents listen to the pod? I hope not. <laughs> you know, they're actually they're actually visiting me in oh, like snap. a week. So they're, right I now, hope they're, they're I in hope the background. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I hope that they're not like, hey, we got um, we got seven hours to kill in the car. We're going to check out your podcast, and this will be the most recent one. Shoot, dude. But your parents have to know, right, by this point, that you fuck real good a lot. Oh, I tell God. them all the time. It's pretty Great. much all we talk about. I call cool. them. I'm like, I'm like uh, just so you guys know, and it's never a welcome comment. They don't ever want to hear about it. <laughs> but it's the only that. thing. It's the only thing I know how to talk about with my parents. I think it's important for parents to set boundaries so they don't have to hear their kids say that they <laughs> are like that. 
<laughs> what I did this weekend, since you guys oh. apparently did oh. nothing. Ian, what did you do this weekend? I went up to the mountains into the wild, but it was kind of like glamping because they had like cabins and stuff, but it was like very limited like power and stuff. It was a really great time. It, but the funny thing about like nature is it always sounds so wonderful. Then you get out into it and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember why we why we left this. But I think it's good. I think everyone needs to spend some time out in nature to realize that uh, nature don't really give a crap about us. Well, then let's just move on. <laughs> um, I'm actually hey guys, really, really excited for today. We're gonna be trying sort of a new um, sort of way of going about the Smosh cast. Um, we're taking a little bit of inspiration from a former format that we used to have on Smosh Pit called what a show, a show with no a show with no name so i'm very personally excited about this but um we basically you know i and i can really only speak for myself when sometimes we feel kind of lost on this podcast in terms of what the energy is going to be like what we want to talk about if you're getting courtney are you getting serious courtney or silly having fun with my boys courtney so we're trying to give a more like a cool, like, just like a format. So basically, Show With No Name was a very beloved show that um, we would answer questions to the listeners or the viewers. Um, and it was just like kind of a very fun discussion-based show. And we got to engage with our fans. And so now we get to do that. I think this is so much better because it's not being cut down to 10 minutes. Like we get to just really talk. And that's right. Yeah, and so now it's we're gonna everyone's gonna have a better idea of what we're getting into every week. So I'm I'm pumped. And so today we've selected three of your questions, and um, we we wanted to to make it um, a little more specific about a specific kind of topic. So this so this round um, we wanted to we wanted you guys to ask any questions related to the industry. The, the the industry of, of entertainment and and if you know if you had any questions for us whether it was advice or what our experiences were in the entertainment and you guys asked some wonderful questions so let's jump into the first of three questions this question comes from Smosh Boy so this person says is the industry what you expected it to be if not in what way does it differ from what you thought it would be like. <laughs> okay, so there's there's two different ways you can look at this. One for me is about the way the industry itself has evolved. Like the job of YouTuber or online personality or whatever didn't really exist when I tried to start acting back in the day. So that's a pretty obvious way it's changed for me and, and wasn't what I expected, but it evolved in a very good way. Um, but I think more of a base level, you know, I used to do lots of like on-camera acting and audition and stuff like that. And when I was younger, I always thought there was a concept of like a big break. Like I always thought that yeah. once you booked a role, that's it. Like you're gonna just keep on up and up and up and up and up. And like, that's what happens. You just constantly work. You just need one first. So it wasn't until after I'd done like an indie movie and then like a couple like more big budget movies with like bigger names and then had gotten a TV thing and then another TV thing that I looked around and I was like, huh, nothing's guaranteed and the struggle is constant forever. I don't know. I definitely didn't expect it. It's a lifelong endeavor. So you got to really love it if you're going to keep doing that because otherwise it will break you. Damien and Shane, your, your 
entrances into the industry is similar. Courtney and myself, like we have kind of a different, kind of a different entry, different motivations for getting into it. I mean, for myself, like I I didn't plan on being in this industry at all. I just made some dumb videos and Yeah, you were straight up down to just work at Chuck E. Cheese forever. Dude, I honestly I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing. And and I'm such a pushover that I probably would have just been like okay with advancing in the ranks of Chuck E. Cheese. It scares me to think what would have happened if I just if if YouTube just didn't exist and I was just working at Chuck E. Cheese. Cause I was just get, I was taking like general ed courses in community college, which by the way, if you're if you're not sure what you want to do and you want to go to college, try out community college. It's community great. College. It's cheap. Yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I enjoyed video games, I enjoyed movies, but I have a very like practical view of things. And I I wouldn't really call myself a a dreamer where I I see like this kind of like lofty thing and I'm like, I can do it. I'm like, no, like let's let's look at the reality of the situation and and the reality of like, oh, I like video games, but I don't see myself being like a video game creator. You know, I enjoy them and I think I know what makes a video game good, but I'm not going to go out there and be like, I'm going to make video games. Not that I'm saying that that's a bad thing to go after. I think that's great, but it, it never appealed to me. So I think my my view of the industry was was shaped as I was exposed to it. You know, living in Northern California, we had a certain animosity towards people in Southern California, which, really? which, which was really just the view of of like Hollywood, which it was like, oh, it's like very like vapid people that are like image obsessed and are just looking to climb on anybody to, to you know, advance themselves. And I mean, to a degree, it's true. But as I've been more exposed to it, the more it's, I understand it a little better. It's like everybody here is is struggling to continue to make it. There, there's not a a level that I think a lot of people yeah. ever reach where they're satisfied. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to hop in. Um, I really, that definitely ties back to what I was sort of saying before is like, I know so many people who are so talented, uh, whether I met them on jobs um, or whether I knew them from school, studying theater, too many people are really great at this. And it's not even a matter of like, not working hard enough. It's just like it, literally sometimes things just don't happen for it's you. You so oversaturated. Which is which is crazy. And so like you really do have to love what you're doing and be fine with working a restaurant job to support that. Mm -hmm. Um because if you're banking on like fully being able to support yourself as an actor, like you can do it, but it's it's difficult. And I thought I knew it would be difficult, but I was very surprised to see like very few of my friends, unless I met them on a job or with this, I've seen actually go and be able to do it. It's tough. It's like, it's literally like, if for anybody who hasn't seen La La Land, if you're interested in the film industry, freaking watch La La Land because it's, it's a beautiful movie. But also like that first musical number, I remember, I think I went to a crappy theater because I didn't understand what the ensemble cast was singing. But when I listened to it on Spotify later, I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. Cause it's like, hundreds of people all talking about the same dream, all wanting the same thing. 
And then you're following this girl who it's like literally starting from nothing, just audition after audition. I was gonna say, but even with La La Land, like I loved the beginning because for that same reason where I was like, wow, it's everybody in their cars like singing. And I'm like, this is barely even, you know, removed from reality because I bet that many people in traffic right then would really have those dreams. I think the one place where it falls apart for me is they do have the moment of like, it's another mis misconception that you can see sometimes where it's just like, whatever your name is, whatever your name is, a big agent was at your one woman show. They want to yeah. fly you out to audition. And I was like, yeah. no, 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 that's not no one happen. goes to one woman shows unless they're sent the Facebook invite. And even then, and they're already um, a friend. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No. I mean, for me, no, that's like, dude. Yeah. I think for me, I was interested in film very early on. Like when I was learning to edit and then just every time I grabbed the family like video camera, I just like filmed stuff. I was more, I was very interested in being a director of photography for years. And then I finally, like I was working at a pharmacy, you remember? And then when I got that internship as a PA, I was observing set. And like, for me, obviously I was like, wow, the set is so beautiful. It's like lights, camera, action. You just watch the art and it's all happened so perfectly. And then when I went as a, cause I don't count the high school stuff. Cause that wasn't real. It was like four of us. I was the DP, but I was being treated as a PA. It sucked. But, um, on set as a PA at that production company, it was like a shit show. Everything was hours behind. There was no money. Producers are yelling at each other in front of talent, in front of like high profile producers and people like while I'm just running around grabbing water for people. Like it's, it's a total, it's a total mess. And like, but you, everyone's doing it and they're all, we're all, you're all creating one project together. I was on very small, intimate shoots, like mm -hmm. inside a building like for like a soldier boy music video. And then wow. we did, yeah, I had to like paint these girls to look like mannequin mannequins. Did yeah, you learn how to Dougie? <laughs> that's, a, sorry, that's, that's that wrong, wrong did dance. You super, did you Superman Stupid. that hoe? He did this song called Designer. You guys could look it up if you wanted. I'm okay. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to. Uh, he oh. says the same word 40 times. Guess that's, what the word that is? That is literally, Designer. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but then there That's was the awesome. bigger the bigger shoots where we did like a, a thing called the Live Together fundraiser or something with AJ McLean from the from the Backstreet Boys. Oh, cool. Um, also forgot, Logan Paul was in the designer video. Um, I had Oops. to give him a broken nose of blood. Yeah, that bigger one where I'm literally running across Disney Ranch to get the AD some Gatorade, just sprinting. Meanwhile, like producers are yelling at each other. Like I, one of our producers, she would like cry every week. And I was like, oh my God, is this what it's like? Damn. I had no idea. I was so emotionally exhausting. And it is sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of, and and Shane, I want to I want to hear from you. I just want to yeah. say, like, th like there's a lot of um, like abuse that's just excused in mm -hmm. in the work, like in the industry mm -hmm. of like, well, you're a PA or like, well, you're an assistant. Like, you, for somebody this, that doesn't know, by the way, DP PA. Does someone want to quickly? Oh yeah, direct DP is DP is director of photography. They basically create the the vibe, the look, the lighting, and they they, they think of the shots and stuff. And then PA's production assistant who basically runs all the little intern like errands and and you know, handling extras sometimes. But there's like, there's very much like this hierarchy. And some of these people at the top can be the hugest fucking assholes. It's almost in a way encouraged. And I think that's just because 
it was never it was never called out before. I think nowadays it's being called out a little more. But I think you know my my friend who ends up working a lot of commercials and stuff like has to deal with this kind of behavior all the time. And you know a lot of it's male dominated as well. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of sexism as well. I I experienced in really really weird sexual harassment on on some sets and like I actually had a YouTube about it telling a story about how it happened. And like at the time I didn't realize that it was sexual harassment that was happening to me. Mm. Um, I think I have it unlisted now. So, or, or private. Cause I don't want to, cause it's, it's about someone that's famous. I don't want to, yeah. it's a lot. There was a anyway. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I know somebody that, that also like she PA'd for like something, some guy that was, let's just say like was in one like kind of big movie was in this like indie and he was like, he was like, let me guess your cup size. Like, yeah, no, I was like, thank you. Bleh. All right. So Shane, I mean, you're, yeah, the, you're, you're the person that like, I mean, I think you have been the most, I would say that you've been the most exposed to the industry. Like, cause you've seen, you've seen both like traditional, like you came up in tradi- like the traditional sort of like TV movie industry you came here when you were 16 right it's crazy to think how long i've been going but i did my first movie when i in i think i did it in 2003 2004 in arizona my career started pretty rapidly because i did a play in in when i was like 11 or 12 and then by the time i was 13 i was already working on projects in arizona and I was able to like join the union and everything. And then when I was 14, I came out to LA for my first pilot season. So it was very rapid fire. And when you're 14, you have this idea of what it's all going to be. And I was telling myself, I remember back then knowing like, I'm like, I know that Hollywood's all about rejection and I'm going to be able to handle it. Like, I'm going to, it's not gonna be a problem because you hear these, by the way, most stories that you hear about actors and their success stories. 90% of it's bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, but 90% of it, I think, is bullshit. You hear a lot about, like, they were discovered here and this is how they made their career. It's like, no, this what we say in LA is it's a 10-year overnight success. You'll, like, hear about their big break, and but they were doing tons of movies before. Um, yeah. yeah, true. Or tons of, or just were acting for years and years and years before. So, I came out thinking, like, rejection was going to happen where you're going to have people be like, you're never going to make it in this industry. But what really happens is you go in auditions, you do your absolute best, and they go, thanks, see you later. And then you don't hear anything. Mm -hmm. So you have no idea if you did good or not. So you just start questioning yourself and then you become the rejection of Hollywood. Or you prepare for 48 hours for an audition the best you possibly can. And then right when you start, they open up a fucking Tupperware. Yeah. You start looking at their leftovers. Or or you you have an audition where the director's in the room and does not look up the entire time. And you're just like, oh, okay. And I remember in that audition thinking like, I could just flip off the director and he wouldn't know. I would just- Oh my God. I think that was, I think in that audition, I think in that audition, neither of them were, I think there was no camera in the room and nobody was actually looking at me. So I was just acting in front of a bunch of people who weren't, I was like, there's no point for me to be here. But how many times do you go on auditions and you know they've already cast it? 
you literally find out before like your manager yeah. or agent will be like, oh yeah, I hear they've already cast this role, but they need to just finish out this round of auditions. Or so, they're using it as like a bargaining chip. Like, I've definitely yeah. been, been the bargaining in... chip before. Yeah. So, uh, what's, so can you explain? Can you explain that? Like, well, it's sort of like if they if they have like a bigger name that they want involved in the project, and they know they want the name. The name wants to be there too, but the name is asking for a lot. They will get, they will hold some auditions to be like, okay, well, we actually have three or four other people that would be perfect for this role, and then they go, okay, I'll take less. And you're just the person being like, hi. What was that thing about me being perfect and way cheaper than that dude? Like what? Yeah. That's um, so weird. I think my yeah. overall, like the revelation was just that the industry is so much lamer <laughs> than you would think. I remember showing up to my first day of a set in Arizona and this was a SAG movie. Like this was a not big budget, but this was a pr big production. It wasn't a student film of a movie and it had some uh, actors from Mad TV in it that I knew and I was mm -hmm. big fans of. And so I was like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. I show up to my first day, I get there at 6 a.m. There's no AC, it's in the middle of summer. So it's just blazing <laughs> oh hot. There's no trailer, you were just all like, me and a bunch of other actors are just in this crappy room at this uh, elementary school that's, you know, empty. But, uh, and I sat there and I waited around from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. And they never actually needed me that day. And <laughs> mm -hmm. that happens all the time. Yep. Uh, I would say 90% of your work as an actor, not in YouTube, but in traditional media stuff, 90% of your job is just literally sitting around. Mm -hmm. um, and that happens still. Like on Goldberg's, I'll show up at 6 a.m. My call time will be 6 a.m. There has been times where I'll show up at 6 a.m. and we don't start shooting a scene I'm in until like 3 p.m. Like that just happens. And you're just kind of yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that just happens. That's just the way it goes. Do you bring stuff to do? Oh, I always bring. It's the dumbest. Like, <laughs> do not go to set without a book or without. Like, a we switch. have iPhones now. What sucks is on set there is I don't have service in my trailer. No. Oh. So it's brutal. No. It's, um, but uh But yeah, it's just lamer. And like sets are not glamorous. And I know like people say that. It, I, the best way I can describe a set is it feels, it smells, and looks like the inside of a Home Depot. Yeah. Like that's yeah. really yeah. that's really what Absolutely. it looks like. Like whether it was Disney or whether it's it's right. um, a network show or anything, it feels like the inside of a Home Depot. I remember that my trailer when we shot Smosh the movie, we got we got we each got a trailer. Woo but it was Ooh. like. It was like a like 10 by 10 on the inside, like 10 feet by 10 feet, maybe max. And it seemed like it was built, this trailer was built in the 70s. It mm -hmm. still had like the shag carpet. The star wagons? Yep. Yeah, I was wagons. literally about to say yep. star wagon. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and it just had this musk and it was yeah. summer. So mm -hmm. it was like, I... I didn't really have any choice but to like stay in the trailer. But I was like, I feel like I'm inhaling mold and other microscopic organisms that probably yeah. will damage my health. Um, I was very grateful to have a trailer because obviously not everybody gets that. Um, but, uh, also, that's but it was just so funny because that was my first experience with like, whoa, I'm getting a trailer. Cool. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I mean, no, this is great. But I was going to say one thing I learned from, I guess, Smosh specifically is every time you see a scene with food, usually the food, like it looks delicious and edible. 
Uh, every time we film scenes, it's usually like cold food that we should not eat for the most part, unless it's a scene where we specifically need to be eating. And the food is like, like Taylor will just put like beans and this other potato thing together. And you're like, yeah, this is a side. Um, this looks like a meal. Um, and then dude, the budgets on some of the music videos that I worked on, like they literally this company, I don't know. It was literally like Firefest, but production company where like, where was the money? They would like one time, the budget was so low that the catering, they first, they had me try and call a ton of, uh, I was I was a second, second AD, just a glorified PA on this freaking production. But they had me try and call restaurants and ask them to give us food for free. What? Like restaurant after restaurant. That's how restaurants uh, work. Yeah. And then they're like, well, tell them it's like for a chair, a music video for charity. So, and oh use the celebrity's God. name. Ooh. But I'm like, this doesn't, that doesn't like make it sound better. I tried. Why would you use the celebrity's name, which means that there's more money attached to the project, maybe? Why I think it was just, yeah, exactly. And I think it was just them like thinking that they didn't have to deal with it. So they were just like, yeah, we can try and finish yeah. it. So they had That's to just do so it. Shady. Obviously couldn't. But when it came to the shoot day, literally lunch was catered like, like weak ass little like street tacos and, and rice. Yeah. And literally there was barely enough. Like they wanted everyone to take like one or two, maybe two street tacos, <laughs> like little guys and some rice. I think, and there were film people there being like, no, I'm taking what I need to eat. And yeah. like, it was I think, rough, I think man. one of the important things, like if, if uh, people listening, if, if you're ever going to like create like a little indie film or something, I think the most important thing is if you're not going to be paying people for their work or not be pay- able to pay them enough, the most important thing is to feed them. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't order like a pizza and be like, here you go. Like, no, like make sure that they're they're at least well fed. If they're gonna put in the time and work for your project and, and you can't pay them, which is understandable because it costs a lot of money to make stuff, at least make sure that they're fed. And also yeah. inform them of what the set the is gonna be like. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I've I've had it underplayed a lot and then showed up to film something for a friend for free and it ended up being a way crazier endeavor. <laughs> yes. I know the one you two you guys have talked about that. I, That's all right. I, I had a weekend where I didn't I was doing two short films in one weekend and I didn't sleep. I I legitimately did not sleep the whole weekend because I was bouncing back and forth between sets. I'd film one short film during the day and then go to the other one at night. And I was thinking I would, I was thinking I'd be able to get a little bit of sleep, but (laughs) the night shoot, which was supposed to end at like 6 p.m. went went till 4 a.m. Of course. And then I had to be at the other shoot by 7 a.m. So um, that I, I, but on the note of like the food on like on set, when you see like food in a scene and it being cold and awful and not real in scenes when you're filming, it's so much less glamorous than it looks when you see it. Like what you're Mm -hmm. seeing is a show that's been edited and the lighting has been changed in the editing process and, and everything. A lot of times you're never doing a scene like you would do it on stage where it's two people and they're really engaged with each other. Most of the time I'm reacting, I'm doing it line by line and I'm often doing it to a piece of tape taped to a camera with a 50 year old uh, sweaty dude right behind it holding the boom mic. Like it's, it's, 
it's, it's way different. Yeah, it's that it's, was one of the hardest things for me by far because I, you know, I would take acting classes and I came from a theater background and it was always very focused on like, you know, really breaking down the scene bit by bit, finding every little nugget of information you can about your character, living with that, let yourself live with that in at your home, just in the darkness, thinking about it, like doing all this work. And then auditions and filming are both so not that, that you have to find a way to translate all that actor stuff that you learned, try to keep the principles kind of, and then just throw it out the window. Yeah. Um, like auditions are literally like, they'll, they'll read a piece of paper and be like, all right, I'll read Mary across from you. How could you say that I'm leaving you? And then you have to like, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. try to respond to that. Like, ah, oh, I guess I'm gonna have a real connection with your nothing. Oh my God. Meanwhile, you're also trying to like, you have a specific mark you have to stand on. And mm -hmm. if you move an inch, mm -hmm. you're out of focus. So you gotta be standing completely yeah. still. How you are like where you're turned, like it all matters. So you're then trying to act genuine and real mm -hmm. while also controlling all of your movements and where you're looking. Yeah. And I also do like, generally with like movies, they're not shooting in chronological order either. Oh, so no, you might no. you might do you might do one scene where all this stuff has happened to you at this point to your character and you're going on to like page 58 which was like would be like an hour in the movie and then and they're like okay let's move on to this scene and all of a sudden it's the intro to the movie yeah, yeah you're so like, crazy and it's like huh wait oh god where what am i doing what what am i what's my character yeah. doing yeah. like what are, that's like, what's crazy about sketch arts like doing sketch shows like what we do i feel like you kind of do throw a lot of your training out the window in a way because it's like okay i'm gonna be a mom for 30 minutes and now i'm gonna be a 16 mm -hmm. year old for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's very, you have to be like very versatile in that mm -hmm. way of being able to like, like mentally step in and out of stuff. It's definitely weird though. Cause when I shot uh, Dear Lemon Lima forever ago, that was the first time I was like a big part in a movie and would be there for like a month. And my first day I'd shoot one of the like later on scenes of the movie of like a, like, so a bunch of stuff has led up to that point. Mm -hmm. And it's weird watching the movie and, you know, the first half of the movie, I'm like, okay, I'm proud of how I did here. But that's because I'd been on set for two weeks mm -hmm. when we shot the first in. scene of the first, the first scene of Dear Lemon Lima, I believe was the final thing I shot on Dear Lemon oh Lima. So I'm Whoa. most proud of the very first five minutes. And then there's parts in the third act where I'm like, oh yeah, I was rusty there because that was early on. Like, that's the thing, like the focus is never put on performance. Like it, it is nobody's priority. They want to get something on camera, but like all the things that you hear about inside the actor's studio of like, how did you get inside the character's mind? You're like, well, I spent three months in a cabin learning how to live. You're like, that's, that's not a thing that happens unless you are. Daniel Day-Lewis. You can do as much work as you can on your own, but like even in voiceover, it's gotten better since the uh, voice actors strike and SAG like a few years back. I won't bore you. Remember like <laughs> I was I was the voice of Teenage Master Chief in the animation of Halo The Fall of Reach. I didn't know it was Halo until I get yeah. into the room and they were like, so Damien, do you like, uh, do you know Halo? And I'm like, yeah, I know Halo. And they're like, great, you're John, Teenage Master Chief. This movie is about Teenage Master Chief. And I was like, uh. so like, I feel like I did an okay job, but it's like, you didn't terrifying. want to give me three days to research so I could give some stuff subtext. 
do some character work. But like, like some, but some voice actors don't even know what they did a voice for, right? Isn't it? That's like why some some are kept so confidential that that's no so, longer oh, legal. That that's no longer. I legal. thought it was still legal. Wow, because mm -hmm. I remember you talk about that. You do is have to be told that it's, it's only in the past couple of years that I like. Is that why all the Elder Scrolls games are so poorly voiced, or is that just because they pulled the programmer maybe. out from and just shoved oh a gosh. mic in their face? No, I, all right, Greg, you're doing it all. <laughs> I think Skyrim has great voice actors. Uh, I think yeah. we should have Greg from IT. Why do you think I should do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bah. Should we move on to the next question? Yeah, we're, we're we we got really caught up in that. I I feel like My we could, we could, sure, we could sure. do more. It's all your fault, Courtney. Why would you do that? About that? The industry is not as cool as you think it is. That's that's yeah. the lesson. But it's, we're happy to be here. Don't get yes, me yes. very happy to be here. It's just a job. It's literally just a job. And in a lot of ways, it's all about saving as much money as possible because this shit's expensive. And it mm -hmm. don't last. <laughs> it never, you're always on a timer. No. I got two more years of being beautiful. And then that's, I'm done. So this next question comes from just Surgden. I don't know how to say it. I don't think okay. that's the name. This person asks, does it ever become difficult trying to come up with ideas for different channels? Also, when trying new content, are there times where you hesitate putting it out because you don't know how it'll be received? I mean, oh, we've, yes, we've yes. gone through a lot of different ways of sourcing ideas and coming up with ideas um, mm -hmm. throughout the years, uh, and they all comes they all come with their pros and cons. Like I think mm -hmm. when because we a lot of times we do do like a brainstorming session where we all pitch our ideas and then we all kind of like pitch in what we think about the other person's ideas. And what happens is like in those situations, what what you do get is you get a lot of immediate feedback. You get everyone's ideas so you don't have any sort of blind spots to the content. The downside of that is it becomes content by committee, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it it it, it suffers a lack of specific perspective. A lot of our best ideas sometimes have come from those big rooms though. Like like when the the second I just remember the moment Sarah said spelling B Kini wax. That's all she said. And everyone was like, oh my God. Like straight up um what we were able you're able to like get a feel in the room. Though that was the era where we were like, what do we want to make? Like because I feel like Defy had times where they're like, let's make content that it's shoppable for brands. So when they had the era of one hour song machine, whoa nature show and smosh lab, they wanted, you know, they were like, oh, well, it was we just hitting different types of shows. Yeah. It would be, it would be like brands can pick where they want to put their stuff. Yeah. They were creating content verticals. Yeah. And granted, like it was a cool experience. Like those are the most polished high production value looking shows we've made to date, but it didn't end up working. And at the end of the day, a lot of us were exhausted and it wasn't like worth it emotionally lately I, like when shane came up with face jam which later became eat it or eat it mm -hmm. uh, it was an idea that it was so different from what it is now but everybody could see that there was like potential in this idea that shane had and i remember days and days of people just sitting in a room trying to work the rules and how it would how it would work in the video how it would come together and i remember i opted out from eating foods very early in that process but eventually it became something that we liked and then even the first episode is pretty different from the final like the most recent one because we're fine-tuning and polishing like how i host it because like I didn't even really understand that I was going to be hosting the show until we were doing the thing. I was like, oh, damn. Okay, cool. 
Shane, thoughts or Damien, thoughts? Um, I've always had a little bit of difficulty coming up with uh, content to pitch, to be honest with you, because I think I always sort of come into things a little bit late. Like when I joined Smosh Games, I was like the last person to do that back in the defy days and so i you know i i was like i've got all these ideas like what if we do this and they're like well that's actually similar to a show we've already done i'm like okay great how about this yeah we did it last week okay cool then what about we you know do the show that i already know exists but we tried this game well we you know we've tried a game like that before it didn't really work out well yeah it It can feel defeating in a way a little bit but it's it's defeating but it's also just more like sobering it's like you know other people have had good ideas before and they came before you so it's it's a matter of like having to sort of translate what is needed and what is not. And I find that when when I come up with ideas, sometimes I'm just focused on like, this would be fun, right? But I'm not very good at asking the question like, why would someone watch this or what's the difference and why does it matter? So like, I find that if I do come up with like a show concept, it's usually workshopped and very much changed by other people throughout the process, mm-hmm. which is which is a necessary thing. And that happens to everybody. But like I find that sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, by the end of it, I don't I don't think I really Yeah, you're you did don't that like, much. Like Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's it's yeah. hard to let go of a baby, right? Yeah. Where where you have you have this sort of solidified vision of what you think the show should be. And then other people come in and say, nah, I think that it'll be better this way. It's re- it is really hard to to let go of it, even mm-hmm. if even if you allow yourself to to uh, acknowledge that okay, maybe that idea is better. It's still it's still hard because it's so personal. Yeah, it's something that you that you thought of. So I think it it takes a lot to be able to be willing to let other people enter into the process and sure and and futz around with it. It's a thing that has to be learned. It's a it's a new type of teamwork that I hadn't experienced before. And I think because it was a little bit humbling, not in a bad way, I think I'm less outward with my ideas now because I'm really like, I want to make sure this one counts. I want to make sure this one is actually good to bring to the forefront and not just me being like, I don't know, what if we do this? You know. And Shane, <laughs> I feel like I feel like so many of so many of your ideas, a lot of a lot of like sketch ideas that you've like brought forth, they always have like it's always like this really hilarious premise and you're you're like you're always so excited by it. And then we're like, okay, go go make a sketch. And then and then I feel like it always gets to like page three. And then it's like, ah, I don't know. That sounds like me. <laughs> I think that used to be more so the issue, but I mean, like yeah. at this point, I've written and done a couple sketches. It, it's uh, the, bikes, peanut butter. Yeah, I mean, when it strikes, when it strikes, it strikes, and when it when it it'll often like I'll have an idea but then writing out an entire sketch and getting that third beat can be tough Mm -hmm. the problem is it's hard for me to write when I'm not super passionate and that's something that like writers are better at like Monica Infinity and Kurt are better at writing as like a job like they won't be inspired but they'll be like yeah but I'll finish this this script Mm because that's my job and and I'm not good Mm -hmm. at that if I'm not super stoked and laughing at what I'm writing, I kind of just stop. Like I need that. And that's that's just because I'm such a like impulsive writer and I'm I'm writing like I'm performing, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to writing like a writer. Cause yeah, because if you if you get like this idea, you'll and and you're passionate about it, you bang out a whole script in a matter of like a few hours, and it's something that you can't really pull yourself away from 
until right. you're done with it, right? Yeah, Kids on Bikes I wrote in like four hours. You know, and, and like uh, we had a few during the shutdown. Uh, obviously, Damien and I wrote uh, that peanut butter sketch and then um, <laughs> the make -a there was- one, yeah. Yes, and Wish then there dream. was- uh, Wish a dream, sorry. There was the Mandela yeah. effect, the butterfly effect one or Mandela mm -hmm. effect one that I wrote that I just wrote in like an hour or whatever. Like some of them I'll just, I'll have the idea from start to finish and others I just have the idea of like, mm -hmm. oh, that's a funny premise and I'll start writing it and then I'll be like, ah, how do I end this? And that's where I stall. Yeah, I feel that pain. I heard that we're going to try something where you kind of have a lot of these like small, like kind of like one joke ideas and, and pretty soon we might be trying to find a way to shoot those where we don't need a whole sketch. It's, it's just based hey. solely <laughs> off around like one sort of joke. That's something I pitched a year ago. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. I mean, we there, did it. yeah. I mean, the, the issue is like, <laughs> because of the way that YouTube is, it's like, they don't like, you can't really benefit from like a one joke video or like a short sketch. What if but, the benefit is a child's laughter? Mm, indeed. But now we have the benefit of other platforms and certain platforms are shorter than other. Or maybe we have other formats where you can fit in small small sketches. Oh, now I get it. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's... What are you saying? We're just going to go shoot, shoot some TikToks? I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, but I, think it's, I think it's great. I think everyone kind of has a different process with the way that we we go through ideas and yeah there's no there's no one way that we all come up with ideas and deal with ideas i think some of them are are more personal and we work them out um ourselves and some of them mm -hmm. are brought to committee like uh Shane's face jam which then became eat it or yeet it which like involved like sometimes like our ideas and we're all pitching ideas and then pitching alterations of ideas, it could get like kind of heated because some people are like, wait, wait, no, then we do that thing. No, but what if we did this Yeah, thing? we get excited. Um, we do. Yeah. And it's like, and, yeah. and some feelings get hurt, but at the end of the day, what we have to remind ourselves of is like, well, the reason why we're getting why we're getting so heated about this is because we're all passionate about it. Like mm -hmm. we're all excited to do this thing and we all care about it. And all we all we want is to make the best possible thing we can. Yeah. But what if what do you do when you are the smartest person with the best ideas and Type your way in. is the right way? Oh, and so you're then talking about people me? People aren't listening to you. Yeah, man. I'm asking, what do you do oh. when you are the smartest person? There's a lot of ego checking in yeah. the entire creative process, like because oh. you know, like I, I remember very early on when I pitched every Vine ever, and I like kind of put in tropes, and then like the script is made, and then like I remember on set one day, I like walked in on a scene because I was upset that it wasn't the way it's supposed to be, and the director did not like that with reason, and like. I was like, but it's not, ugh. and like, I, it took me a long time at this job to let go of that. And like, I wouldn't have been able to let go of that if I was didn't have like this team that was like, hey, this is how we are gonna work together. Like, cause on pit, I wasn't able to pitch an idea on pit for years or, or like, I mean, sketch, we kind of was a little more collaborative, but pit was like very much already handled by like, yeah. a solid team. So I think what's nice is we have so many different uh, channels and shows that there's different areas where we can kind of get more control. I mean, uh, you know, it comes to sketch, obviously, it's always a team effort. Uh, 
you'll pitch something, but then it, by the time it's done, it's not nothing. No sketch on on May on the Smosh Channel is any one person's sketch. Mm-hmm. It's always a team of people who mm-hmm. came up with jokes and and everything within it. But what's nice is like with Try Not to Laugh, that is us just like on your own like doing a thing and so it so a lot of times if i have really insane jokes i'm like well i'll do it there like that's that's where because also i can Mm -hmm. fail like it's not as big of a deal but i will say it's tough it's tough because we have to keep coming up with so many ideas it it is tough too because i feel like sometimes there's like this fatigue in a way I used, I feel like I used to have way more try not to laugh ideas and I used to like go in and be like, I don't even need an idea. I'm going to look at a problem and be like, oh, I know what to do with this. Ah, I'm going to be crazy. And like now sometimes I'll just be backstage and I'll just see like a baseball bat and I'll be like, I get, I'm, I'm baseball man. No. Yeah. What's like, wrong with that? Just, What's wrong with I'm baseball man? Because I mean, you Ian's a big fan of going Ian. in. You're already baseball man. Oh, yeah. Ian's see, a big fan of just diving in with. With nothing written down, nothing. Yeah. And see me, which, I'll be up the night before <laughs> working on jokes. Well, with really? Gus, with Gus, you have to be right. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that I had planned for like months. That was we gotta so treat good. every person in the sassy, like sassy leg Johnson, sassy leg yeah. general. I had that written out. That was a monologue that I had written <laughs> out in my phone. And you bet I was practicing that shit in the mirror the night sassy before. Sassy leg. Sassy Lake General. Whoa. I was really practicing it. In Sassy Lake Infantry? Sassy Lake Infantry. He, I'm sorry, because if a promotion happened, I want it to be acknowledged on video. Yeah. Well, he is the Sassy Lake General. The leader of the Sassy Lake Infantry. How did I not know this? <laughs> um, but that's, I do that because yeah, it's tough, man. But, in the moment, it's, obviously it gets paid off. Totally. But with how many yeah, with how many we have to do, and we often shoot more than one Try Not to Laugh in a day. So that means a that's a bunch of jokes that you got to come up with. I, and that's I also, tough. I can't knock you, Ian, because like almost all of my best jokes have come from no plans off the cuff stuff like boneless wasn't even what it was supposed to be that monologue was just supposed to get into the main bit which mm-hmm. was like my recording of the radio and we literally i was just like i don't know he'll say some random stuff what's random stuff okay what's his name boneless steve no let's just go with boneless like whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and then it like it never goes the way you planned it sometimes it goes worse sometimes it goes better i think in a way we're like victims of our own success with the show a little bit because i think we're afraid to fail now you know what i mean yeah. like it's it's okay to not make someone laugh but now we laugh at each other so much that like when it doesn't happen it feels like i t- uh, yeah. Yeah. like it you know this one comes from billy tinson what is the process of directing a sketch for a big youtube channel are more smosh members wanting to direct sketches i think i think the quick answer to this is is that we always throw out the the opportunity to direct a sketch it obviously takes more effort because you gotta figure out what the shots are gonna be and and be responsible and and uh have a vision uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just had my meeting in, a couple hours ago with, with Brennan and had to, we we went through scene by scene on a, a sketch that they were, I was asked if I was excited about it. I said, yes. They said, do you want to direct? I said, yes. And then we went through the whole script of what the shots were. And if I have like, ooh, I think it'd be really cool to have this one shot looking up at this person. And we all, we write it down. I actually just got a binder for myself because I want to be a little more like have everything out in front of me. Look for more scenes. pro. Yeah. 
it's it's a lot of like figuring out how to do a joke in a short amount of time in a way that doesn't require a lot of reset. It's not too messy, not too expensive, and doesn't uh, make anyone uncomfortable. So yeah, I mean, because we used to not give a shit about whether it was messy or not. Like we've had <laughs> some messy scenes. I mean, pretty early on, I had to jump into a pool of water and get like fake blood splatted on me and. That was also my first Smosh sketch, I think, where Olivia was in that box of blood. Oh, that was box of blood. I was sexual son. Yeah. Uh, I also this, had uh, to like a, lot eat of a ton stuff. of fake blood and, and giant gummy worms as a zombie while also like, I think we kissed, me and Keith kissed with fake blood. All, like, yeah, we used <laughs> to get real crazy. It got real Nowadays, messy. mess can't really happen because we're trying to be extra safe and sanitary. Well, also, we just can't have blood on videos. YouTube is very true? weird about that now. Yeah. Which is okay. True. Like we did we did enough people getting shot jokes for the first eight years to last us three lifetimes. More and more cast members are gonna be directing in the future. Like we've had a couple do it. Like a lot of us were co-directing kind of in a way for the for a few years. And now there this has been a great year for everybody's really been able to like just direct and get like just getting the experience like even i mean i think olivia recently talked about how she's down to direct a sketch soon she like kind of helped co-direct how to not piss off asian people mm -hmm. and how to not piss off women yeah boy all right and shane i don't give a shit what you think about that one fuck yeah he's directing soon. hey shane uh, shane what do you i think am about directing it? for the first time i don't care soon. Oh, no one cares sketch, okay. I, it well, doesn't matter we what had, you think we had, <laughs> that was like not I'm, we're shooting it on film and we're using only drones. Hell yeah. Yeah. Drones with film? <laughs> drones <laughs> holding dope. iPhones the, the, with the, film the attached. Just... Film. Um, it's going to be on yeah. VHS. Okay. So you're going to have to pick it up from Blockbuster. So guys, we're going to try a brand new segment right now. Are you uh -oh. guys flipping ready for this? I'm sweating. Right. This is, um, for now, we'll just call it, these are my obsessions. These are my obsessions. I want to sing that Usher song so every person, oh, I, I was, every person is going to get one minute to rant about something that they're obsessed with right now. What's on your mind? What are you obsessed about? Um, Courtney, let's just start with you, and your time starts now. Okay, guys, I am obsessed with ramen. It's just the perfect combination of pasta and soup. And I've been really working to perfect my craft on making ramen. I even tried to make my own broth the other day, starting with a chicken broth, putting some sauce in, and I'm playing with putting some foods in there. I'm actually to a point where I like my own ramen more than the ramen I used to buy, literally sometimes twice a day from a ramen place. Uh, and it's just so delicious when it's spicy and salty and you get all the nutrition of whatever vegetables you want in it. And I, I love food that's fun to eat. You know, chopsticks are freaking great because the way you eat is so much nicer than a metal fork clanking around in your teeth and your mouth. And it's just like sushi. You get to just nibble little bites. It's so cute. And the thing about freaking ramen is you get to pick out the bits and stuff and eat it. And I love ramen and your so time much. Is up. Uh, just one question. <laughs> Do you slurp? Yeah. Um, yes. Oh, good, good. Isn't that polite? Isn't that like the polite thing to do? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's the traditional way. It's it's yeah. a way of showing appreciation for the ramen, right? Right, Kevin? Well, it just sounds it's, it's that it's good. He said yeah. yes. Yes. Um, okay, 
Uh, Shane, would you like to go next? Good, you're starting now. Yes, go. okay. Uh, my obsession right now, as for, mainly, definitely today, but just, you know, for a while, is Megan the Stallion. Dude, yes, badass. I agree. So good. I agree. I've been listening to her music when I work out, and I feel so good. Dude, bro. Courtney, this is not your turn. Okay. It's not your turn, Courtney. <laughs> Come on. I'd shut up about ramen, so... Hold on, this I'm pausing, I'm pausing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I yield my time, I yield my time. You didn't have time to begin with, you already used it. You can't yield time that you never had. Reverse yield, sh yield, shake right. time. Uh, sorry Shane, I stopped you at 22 seconds. You may now resume. Okay, no, Megan the Stallion likes anime. Come on, that's so badass. When she did a magazine, there was a couple years ago, she did a magazine cover and she dressed up as a My Hero Academia character for the for the cover. So badass. And her songs are all insanely good. Like I've listened to all the albums and they're all good. She's a badass. Bro. <laughs> Megan the Stallion. Yes. <laughs> He uh, just ran to his kitchen and screamed, yell the stallion, making the stallion in front yeah, of the Yeah, I couldn't be this close to the microphone. Um, your time on, is up. Honest, okay. Um, but I that like, it? That I was like, it? Your, your yeah. time is up. Time's up. Um, I can't, I can't, it's really funny watching Damien's reaction when you mentioned that Megan the stallion watches anime. And he's I already like, knew that. I I'm I listening. Um, okay, that was great. Uh, Damien, are you ready and go? Give me a countdown. I already, I'm Three. already going. Three, two, one, go. go. Speaking of anime, ha ha, I just finished an awesome one that I've been sleeping on for years. It's called Hunter Hunter. There's an X in the middle, but you don't pronounce the X unless you want everybody to know that you don't know what you're talking about. So it's about a little boy who wants to become a hunter. And hunter is something in this world where you get a license to basically do whatever. You can be a treasure hunter. You can go explore distant lands. You can get into whatever country you want. And that's so, it's very, you know, coveted, but it's very hard to become. And he wants to be this so we can find his dad, who is like one of the best hunters of all time. It's a great, great show because every season is completely different in terms of tone and for some reason you just like it more and more season four nothing like season two but you still love that it's part of the same show it takes a while before it gets serious but it's mostly like what if that like happy-go-lucky anime boy was in a very dark and serious world and the kind of themes that they deal with i've never seen a show that keeps me guessing so much it could be leading up to a huge fight for like 30 episodes and, and that time. fight ends in like a negotiation. It's like- That's, oh, that's oh. time, time, time. Okay. Well done, well done. All right, Ian, you want me to time you? Uh, sure. Um, you can't time yourself, that's fine. I just biased. wanna say that that we're all, we're all, um, all of our things are related to, to Japan uh, this, this uh, round. <laughs> Ian likes Ghost of Tsushima. So Jin right, Sakai- ready? Ready and begin. Okay, so yesterday, or maybe the day before, I lost track of time, uh, I came across this uh, Twitter profile that shows all these random Japanese mascots. Now, if you don't know this, Japan is obsessed with mascots. They have a mascot for literally fucking everything. They did this, <laughs> they had this, this weird like renaissance art opening, and they made a mascot based off of this one 
fish with human legs that's in the background of this one Renaissance painting. And wow. it is, and they made a mascot out of it, of a fish with a fish in its mouth and hairy human legs on it. Um, my favorite <laughs> mascot that I came across is this mascot. I think its name is Cheetan. And it is a an otter with, that wears a turtle for a hat. And it's almost like jackass where he runs around and does all this crazy shit. He's like running on treadmills, like running into like boxes, uh, he's like hurting himself a lot, and like jumping on. Time. It's a person in a suit, by the way. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just, if people don't know what mascots, are, I don't know. There, there's a weird. There's like a weird thing with mascots, there, man. I, I love like, the idea of someone going their whole life and not realizing it, and just being like, "What's in there? <laughs> How's he? How do you get that big as an otter? Yeah. So like, what? You don't see those in the wild." So where do they get though? <laughs> this one seems to know language. Like he has handlers that are telling him what is, does he still shatter giant scallops on his tummy with a rock? Is that <laughs> what the otter does? So that was our obsessions. All right, now on to the best part of the whole podcast. In my, in, in my honest opinion, I am a Joe. Shoot, dude. Shoot, dude. Shoot, dude. So welcome back to Shoot Dude. It's a it's a series where you guys submitted really cringy things that happened to you and we go shoot dude to yeah, that. Yeah, it's like embarrassing one. stories. Uh, like scary stories, nothing like too traumatic. We don't want to be co- triggering people on this podcast, mm-hmm. but you know, the silly stuff that you guys encounter. And then we judge whether it is in fact to- a shoot dude or not a shoot dude. Is there something you'd like to What's say? What's up, Shane? What's I up? would just like to say, I feel like from our readings, the perfect shoot dudes are when someone gets themselves into a difficult situation where mm. where yeah. they where they appear more guilty than they actually are uh mm. it's it's basically a seinfeld curb your enthusiasm situation uh, as yes. a shoot dude yes but be warned because historically i will call you out and tell you that i think you made it up true so that let's true. jump true. into true. it this shoot dude comes from alana alana says Hi, i work at a Hi, restaurant alana. She's not here. I'm reading a story she wrote to me prior. She's not listening. Alana said, Go ahead, Ian. I work at a restaurant and was clearing some dirty plates from a table, and I accidentally dropped a butter knife. It bounced on the ground and then slid about seven feet on the floor before it gently came to a rest next to a gentleman's foot. I rushed, I rushed over to him and his lady friend, they were a couple maybe in their late 30s, and apologized. I made a joke and said, I'm so sorry, sir. I didn't mean to accidentally stab you. The couple was pretty good natured about it. We had a good laugh. And then I offered to bring them another round of drinks while I was in the area. My grave mistake. I went about my business and did not think about them again until three hours later when they (gasps) wanted to close out their check. The gentleman told his server 
that that one waitress said she would comp us around of drinks because she tried to stab me. We all thought that he was joking what? at first, but he continued to insist that I had, and I cannot stress enough that these were his exact words, tried to stab him, and that I had promised him a free round of drinks as an apology for my unsuccessful attempt at stabbing him. What? Yep. He demanded to speak to the manager and eventually the owner who ended up just comping the drinks so that he wouldn't pursue legal action for my murder attempt. This couple had stayed at the restaurant for over three hours and only ordered two rounds of cheap wine and got one of those rounds for free. I know I should be at least a little sorry, but I make the same stabbing joke every time I drop silverware near a guest and it always kills. <laughs> I'm more sorry that this guy can't hang, but I have learned a valuable lesson in comedy. Make sure you know your audience. Shoot, dude. Shoot, It's a shoot, dude. I feel like this guy is very bad at blackmailing. Because, yeah. because he had established and Jeez. they... We're play or, or no, no, no. The the customer, oh, right? The, cu the customer, oh, customer who was saying that. Yeah, he was saying that she tried to stab him. So he had the obviously the owners, the managers probably didn't believe him, but they were playing along. Like, okay, sir, we're taking this seriously. That you were nearly murdered. What are you asking for mm. for compensation for being nearly murdered? He doesn't ask for both rounds to be compensated. No, just one round He's to be compensated. He's a reasonable fellow. He's a very oh. reasonable asshole. <laughs> I, I would call this, this a low-functioning Karen. I can't stand stuff like that. I think I don't like the customer is always right. I don't no. like that policy at all. I didn't like it when I worked retail and customer service, and I don't like it now that I'm on the other side I think, of things. I think that's gone out with the boomers. Like I think I think millennials and and, and Gen Z that? agrees that the customer is not always right. I think and you're younger a douche bag if you yeah. believe that. I think like, we'd like to. I mean, maybe maybe it's just because we're decent people, so we do that. But like, you know, when a when a person's at the you're like, "Hi, I'm so sorry. It's so crazy right now. Like, how can I help you?" Like, "Oh, dude, it's all good. You don't have to be sorry for anything." I think like, our gener I think our generation, and definitely uh, uh, Generation Z, now like it's it's looked down upon to be shitty to uh, retail and and customer service a little bit more. Because I remember even when I was younger, it was almost kind of like it wasn't looked down upon as much to be a jerk to customer service. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't seen that way. Whereas now we're starting to establish like, hey, that's really crappy. And I think that's who you are. Who, how you treat waiters is who you are. 100%. I think it's also 100%. related to like barter culture as well, where where like millennials and, and I think probably the same extent Gen Z, we don't want to barter. Like we just want to get what we paid for and we don't want to have to haggle over it. Whereas yeah. the older generation, that was a part of doing business. Like, like, oh, you want to buy that car? Well, then you need to barter for it. And it's like, what? No, just just pay the, yeah. pay the price. It's just what the price says on there. Sorry, we just need to get rid of like allowing people to get away with stuff like that. Like anytime, unless it's really a problem, like a real problem has taken place. I think it should be policy of like managers, owners of things like just tell a customer like, oh, no, get out. <laughs> like, yeah, you weren't almost stabbed. You're being a colossal baby. It was a butter knife and it landed <laughs> near you. You're going to have to leave. Don't don't come back. When I went to go get these glasses, I was in the doctor's office waiting to get my appointment and these two people walk up and they're wearing masks luckily but like 
when I came in, they needed to take my picture for my profile because it was like, it was also more sanitary than taking your ID and uh, things like that. And also it's like more up to date than your old ID photo or something. And so I did that and sat down. And then this guy's like, um, you want my picture? That's like, why, why do you need that? You don't, I don't need to give you that. That's you're creepy. You're creepy for wanting to do that. And she was like, okay, well, like we need something. And he like eventually gave in and they're like, okay, now you need to sign this to acknowledge your HIPAA. Um, uh, like, you know, basically this law that protects your personal information from being for the, like, obviously the doctor's office is not going to like tweet out your medical conditions or your personal information. HIPAA, like I learned that working in the pharmacy, it protects you. And she's like, you need to sign that you acknowledge us. He's, she, he was like, uh, you didn't provide me with anything. She's like, okay, I can get you the paperwork. He's like, uh, no, I, I deny acknowledgement of that rule. Like not even knowing what he was talking about. Um, and so I deny just, acknowledgement like, people, of that rule. <laughs> the doctors will, these people look at people's buttholes. Like, and you, like you refuse to give them a photo of you or a signature. Oh, it's, uh, like, dude. It's in my freedom. You can't. People can't think they're it. a lot more important than they are. That's <laughs> yeah. the problem. That's, That's really the problem. A place of feeling no power but in I your think... own life. So there's a, the second there's a dynamic that puts you a little bit above someone else. You're like, yep, I mm-hmm. would like the only finest pen to sign. This. But I think yeah. what we can all say is, shoot, dude, shoot, dude. Um, so shoot. please, if you have a shoot, dude, please send it to us at shootdude at smosh.com. That's S H O O. D-O-O-D at smosh.com. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, it's lovely seeing all your faces. Let us know what you thought of this new format. Uh, I had a great time with with all y'all. Please check out our merch at uh, smosh.com. Oh, look at that. I got it right behind me if you guys are watching the video. Nice. Wow, looks oh, wow. <laughs> um, rate us five stars on your favorite appy thingies. Catch the uncensored audio on Wednesdays on all your podcasting platforms and watch uh, the video of us on Fridays. Bye. Love you. Bye. I'm good. Hey, goodbye, everybody. I'm going, I'm going to miss you.